Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday. It is not a victory Monday. It is definitely not a victory Monday. After the Steelers lose to the New England Patriots 17-14 at Acroshore Stadium, the season regular season home opener for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it doesn't feel like they just followed the same script from 2021, I don't know what did. You know, they go on the road in week one, they win a game that no one thinks they're ever going to win, then they come back to Pittsburgh, a game that everyone is predicting them to win, and they fall flat on their face. It happened last season to the with the Raiders coming to town in week two. This season, the Patriots at home in week two. There's a lot to decipher in this game. There is a lot to unpack from this game. And we're going to try to do all of it. It is a short week. I want to remind everyone of the schedule just so that you know. Today's show, winners and losers in the second half. I'm going to update my DEFCON numbers after week two. I'm going to talk a lot about quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. Wednesday's show is still going to do a mailbag, but it's also going to be a, it might have to be an abbreviated mailbag. I'm going to be getting you ready for the upcoming game. I have to see if Jeremy can join me to do NFL picks. I'm not sure. We'll have to play that one by ear. The game is Thursday, Friday. I'll be back again with another winners and losers. And then we have the weekend off. It's a little mini buy for the Steelers and the fan base and the podcasters. And I'll be back on Monday to recap all the action that was in week three to get you ready for the upcoming uh, week, which will be week four. In the New York Jets. Okay, with that all out of the way, we have a lot to get through. Let's dive head first. As we always do after a game, win, lose, or draw, we update the injuries. Mike Tomlin only noted one injury after the game, and that was to Devin Bush. He said it was a foot injury. But that means all the players that left the game last week for, even if it was just a period of time, those injuries, we're talking Najee Harris' foot, Mason Cole ankle, Levi Wallace ankle, all those injuries, they seem to be just fine. No re-injury, no nothing like that. So when you're talking about a short week here, folks, the Mike Tomlin is speaking today, Monday, at noon. So you'll have that Mike Tomlin press conference recap from Dave Schofield today. You just got to roll it over and you got to put it behind you and you got to move on. So maybe that's one of the positives out of this short week for the Steelers, but not having a key injury, although Devin Bush being out would definitely limit the defense That's the only injury of note. Okay, let's get down to business. When you think about this game, when you think about the 17-14 to loss, the one thing that I kept on thinking about after the game was offense, defense, special teams. Every area that I just mentioned had some sort of issue. You know, the defense, they had their moments where they struggled against the run, especially at the end of the game, but they were gassed, you could tell. The offense, well, there's a myriad of issues there. Special teams, you got fumbling the football, inconsistencies. The one thing, though, the one thing that I always come back to is a one position in one player. And you might be sitting there, and you know what I'm going to say. You know who I'm going to say and what position they play. You know it. If you listen to me, you know it. But I'm sorry. I can't. I can't pretend like it's anything other than a quarterback problem at this point. It is Mitchell 
Trubisky. So it's just not good enough. I'm I'm sorry. You could point to so many plays in that game, and I watched the game with Brian Davis and Dave Schofield. They were sitting in my living room as we watched the game, and all three of us throughout the game, not only did we have zero confidence in Mitch Trubisky to get the job done, but also we were just waiting for the next inaccurate pass. We're waiting for the next play where he stares down his receiver and just checks it down. The plays where he, it's, I, I cannot tell you, I don't have much hair on my head. I mean, I do have hair, but it's, I just cut it short every week. I would have wanted to rip my hair out of my head if I see Mitch Trubisky scramble one more time, and instead of throwing the ball away, he takes a sack, and he did it today at the end of the, I'm sorry, he did it Sunday, the end of the first half, 10 valuable seconds were taken off the clock, and a timeout had to be burned when he just did not throw the ball away. I can't fathom that. I don't understand that. High school kids know better than that. This is a six-year veteran in the NFL. This is, in my opinion, this is Mitch Trubisky's last shot at being a starter in the National Football League. And when Mitch Trubisky was signed by the Steelers in February, first day of free agency, the tampering period starts, the Steelers go out and they sign Mitch Trubisky to a two-year deal. He probably thinks, this is fantastic. I'm with a new team. I'm going to have a shot to start. Well, then all of a sudden, the draft rolls around, and all of a sudden, they, the Steelers take Kenny Pickett. So immediately from that moment when the 20th overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft was Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, Mitch Trubisky had to see the writing on the wall. He had to see the writing that they're not going to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback that they don't view as their next guy, which turns Mitch Trubisky into a bridge quarterback. Well, how long is their bridge, Mitch? Is your bridge a couple games? Is it a season? And what happens after you get to that other part of the bridge? Well, we know that Kenny Pickett takes over for the Steelers, but what about you? This is what I'm talking about with Mitch Trubisky. From that moment, he had to know, look, I'm here in Pittsburgh, and they're telling me I'm going to be the starter. I've got to play my butt off. I've got to play my butt off because if not, I might be looking at being relegated to backup duty for the rest of my career. And if that's that, that no one wants that. I mean, no one goes into a career and says, my goal is to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Hey, for longevity, for pay, you can't beat it. However, at the same time, these, these guys are competitors. They want to play. They want to be the guy. Well, I got to be honest. Week three in Cleveland, Thursday night football, short week. This might be Mitch's last shot. It certainly does feel like it. You can hear Mike Tomlin after the game talking about everyone needs to play better, including his quarterback. And that's Everyone says, well, that's just kind of coach speak. Mike Tomlin does not like to throw certain players, certain positions under the bus. I found that very telling. I found it very telling. Mitch Trubisky is being peppered with questions about throwing the ball downfield. We'll get into some comments here in a few seconds about that he made that definitely, in my opinion, puts the onus on the coordinator and not so much him. Interesting stuff. You can't tell me that you're not watching the broadcast and you're hearing the Kenny, Kenny. The fan base wants Kenny Pickett. Because here's the thing with Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett gets a shot and he doesn't show out right away, 
they say, well, he's this is still could be the guy. You just got to give him time. Mitch Trubisky's a six-year veteran. Now, yes, there should be given time, and I've said that all along. You got to give him time. Give give Mitch some time, and maybe is three games not enough time? Maybe, but at the same time, are you trying to actually make something out of this season? Are you willing to keep trotting out that same product over and over again with a defense that's pretty darn good? You just going to let that go? It only comes down to is the question, the main question, is Kenny Pickett giving you a better chance to win? That's what Dave Schofield always says. When the Steelers feel that Kenny Pickett will give them a better chance to win is when he will play. So let's look at characteristics of quarterbacks and we'll think, say, who gets the nod as we are sitting here right now? So here are the categories first. Accuracy, mobility, arm strength, experience, release, and decision-making. Those are the six main categories that I am using to figure out who has the nod right here with Pickett versus Trubisky. And again, this is as we sit here right now. So accuracy. Anyone that's watched the preseason, and I don't care who they are throwing to or who they are throwing, who is opposing that them. So in other words, in week one against Seattle in the preseason, when Kenny Pickett comes in, plays the entire second half, yeah, he's playing against third and fourth string guys. A lot of those players aren't even employed in the National Football League anymore. But you still have to put the throws on the money. And he did that. He showed he could do that. Kenny Pickett is by far the more accurate passer, even right now in his career. So I give that nod to Kenny Pickett. Mobility? Well, everyone says Mitch Trubisky's more mobile. Kenny Pickett can run too. I don't think Kenny Pickett is any less mobile than Mitch Trubisky. I think that's a push. They're both mobile. None of them are Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. Both of them push. Arm strength. This goes to Trubisky. He does have a stronger arm. That has been a knock on Kenny Pickett since the draft prep and even before that. They said he can he can thread the needle, but he's not pumping the ball down the field 60-plus yards. Now, experience. Well, that's obviously going to go to Trubisky. Kenny Pickett, while extremely experienced at the collegiate level, and he's not young, he definitely does not have the NFL experience that Mitch Trubisky does. The release, that's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has a better release. He is a quick decision-maker. He is experienced at reading defenses, even though it might not be at the NFL level, and he knows and he's decisive with where the football is going to go. Now, this is a preseason. This is the sample size we have to work with. The offense looks different when Kenny Pickett's in there. And it's probably because Matt Canada is calling the game differently if Kenny Pickett is in there. But the one thing you cannot deny is that when Kenny Pickett played in the preseason, the offense was smooth, the offense moved on time, and it was more rhythmic than it has been yet with Mitch Trubisky. And the last one is decision-making. This might be one of the most disappointing facets of Mitch Trubisky's game. I was excited for Mitch Trubisky. I was on the Trubisky train, Bisky business, as we called him on the podcast. And the one thing I couldn't, I can't get over is his decision-making, or lack thereof, since being the starter for the Steelers. He has locked onto receivers and stared them down. He has taken checkdowns when there's other options that are open. He looks frantic. That is the word that Brian Davis used when we were watching the game. He says, he's too frantic for me. He doesn't look calm in the pocket. And folks, this is not about the offensive line anymore. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, but after two weeks, I'm not blaming the offensive line anymore. He, they, they gave up, I think, one sack against Cincinnati. They gave up three against uh, New England, and only two of those, maybe even all three, were on Trubisky. The Steelers' offensive line is protected. Whether they're doing mass protect, max pro, all that stuff, I don't know. It's not the offensive line's fault anymore. Can you put the fault at all on the pass catchers? You see George Pickens getting visibly frustrated. Pat Fryermuth is getting frustrated. Deontay Johnson is getting frustrated. So the next question is, well, who are they getting frustrated with? Well, let's stop and let's look back at the Pickett versus Trubisky argument that we just dialogue Right now, as we sit here right now, Pickett is has three checks and Trubisky has two, according to the six categories that I just laid out there. And I'll say this, I'll ask the same question I asked last week, and that is what does Mitch Trubisky do that Kenny Pickett can't right now? And I did this, I said this on Twitter, and a lot of people responded, and then there were some really funny questions and or answers to my question. But I was being serious, and a lot of people said the answer is nothing. Nothing. All the experience and the arm strength in the world doesn't matter if you can't have accuracy. You don't have good decision-making along with it. So who's to blame? If you're not blaming the offensive line, you're not blaming the pass catchers, whether that's tight ends, running backs, or receivers, doesn't matter. Who are you blaming? Well, now this is when everyone says it's going to come down to Trubisky and or Matt Canada. All right, so I was curious. I knew Mitch Trubisky was going to hit the podium after the game, and he was going to give a press conference. And so I listened to it, and I even heard the first question. I said, wow, I want to see this when the transcript comes out, and it did. I'm going to read this to you verbatim. I don't want you all thinking that I am changing any words here. This is word for word, question and answer. The first question that Mitch Trubisky's asked is this. What needs to happen with more down-the-field passing and over-the-middle passing with this offense? Answer, quote, call concepts to get receivers there. When the coverage dictates that, get them the ball within that. I'm going to say that again. His sentence was, call concepts to get receivers there. So in other words, what's, with, what's the deal, Mitch, with the downfield passing and not throwing it over the middle? The concepts aren't getting the receivers in those spots. Think about what that's saying. Think about what that is saying about the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. So Mitch continues, I saw a lot of post-high backers sitting in the middle, safety in the middle of the field. We like our outside matchups. We've got really good receivers. We've got really good talent across the board. We'd like to attack all areas of the field and get the ball to our playmakers. So we could do a little better at everything for sure. So, next question. Did you see a lot of single high today? Answer, yes. Follow-up question. What are your options when you see that? So, Mitch goes on to explain it. If it's man, best matchups. If it's zone, find the holes. That comes down to timing and being in the right place at the right time. They did a good job mixing it up. They don't only play one high. They play a bunch of coverages. He continues, we can be better at everything. I can be better at decision-making. We had some missed opportunities. I had some missed throws. We had a couple 
where we weren't on the same page. Bottom line, we've got to score more points. So our emphasis was to be better on third down this week. I think we were a little better at that in the first half at least. In the fourth quarter, we've got to convert those to be able to stay on the field and give ourselves a chance. It just felt like we missed opportunities by me and the offense. I'm going to say this again. This is Mitch Trubisky's last shot. This is his last shot, in my opinion, of actually being able to say, I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. Anyone that signs me is just getting a backup. That's what what he's facing right here. So what does Mitch do? He kind of says, hey, this isn't all about me. This is about the coordinator, too. It's about the play calling. This is about the play calling. He's pushing some of that. He's deferring some of that to the coordinator. I don't blame him. I'm not saying I like it, but I don't blame him. He's trying to protect his own butt. So with all this Canada and Trubisky talk, I decided to do what I normally do. If I don't understand something or if I want someone that knows more about the game, I'm going to ask those people. So I went to our Slack channel. I asked Jeffrey Benedict and Kevin Smith and anyone else that wants to chime in. I put that quote about the call concepts to get receivers there, and I said, what the heck? Is is this really on Canada? Here's what Jeffrey Benedict said. They're still sitting on the slants and the crossers just like last season. Teams don't come off them because Trubisky can't hit on throws outside consistently. And the Steelers don't have the speed to make them pay on outside runs. Also, Trubisky is bad at screens and passes to the flat. I swear 80% of Trubisky's throws were on spot routes. That's where the receiver runs to a spot and turns to face the quarterback. For a lot of the game, that was that was the Steelers passing offense. Trubisky stares down and throws to a spot route. Kevin Smith chimes in. It's a high school passing attack. We run more advanced route concepts, and he's referring to his high school. Then he says, my take on the passing attack is Canada is purposefully not attacking the post or deep middle because he doesn't trust Trubisky or the offensive line. But if Trubisky is saying it's oh, it's one high and the Steelers aren't trying to run vertical concepts, that's a crime. You're just doing the defense's job for them. And I told those individuals I would be quoting them on this podcast. So what really irks me about all this is that it this isn't even it's not about the defense. Even without TJ Watt, this isn't about the defense. That defense held them to 17 total points, and one of those touchdowns came when Gunnar Olszewski fumbled the football and they got the ball at the 10-yard line after a penalty. It's tough. It's a tough ask to ask the defense to stand up right after they get a third. They're, they're off the field. They were just on the field to go back on in a first-and-goal situation. So I'll tell you what. We need to go into the second half of this show. But I want to finish with this. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The legendary Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Gibbs, formerly of the Washington Redskins, once said that football can essentially be boiled down to four or five plays. If you win those plays, you win the game. If you lose those plays, you lose the game. When you think about just boneheaded plays, Trubisky not throwing the ball away, you think about Gunnar Olszewski's fumble, you think about Cam Sutton's dropped interception, you think about Akello Witherspoon not making a play when it matters at the, the very end of the first half, equated in a Nelson Aguilar touchdown. Those are the plays the Steelers didn't make. They just didn't make it. The quarterback needs to be better. The Steelers need to be better. So I didn't get to the DEFCON. I'm going to do that on Wednesday. I will update my DEFCON numbers. 
They're not pretty, I'll tell you that. But in the second half of this show, we have four winners and seven losers to talk about. We'll be right back after this break. fans welcome back to the second half of the show you know what it means when it is monday following a game it's winners and loser time there's a lot of people out there that probably think oh jeff they they lost the steelers lost they look like garbage at times how do you have any winners because i think there's value in players performing well and so i had four winners and seven losers following the 17 to 14 loss in week two in Pittsburgh. So let's get this started. The winners, first winner, Deontay Johnson. Listen to this stat line. Six receptions, 57 yards, a nine and a half average. He didn't score a touchdown, had a 17 yard long, 10 total targets. And let's also not forget that nifty two point conversion catch. So Deontay Johnson, I always think back to fan narratives media narratives you know when Deontay Johnson said he wanted that new contract he's like I want that contract I really want that deal I feel like I've earned it there's a lot of people that were naysayers that said no I don't think so I don't think he's worth that he's he's thinking he's Terry McLaurin he thinks he's you know getting Christian Kirk money he's nuts well the Steelers gave him a fair deal I think that he signed a fair deal but he's gone out and proven that he is a still a really good receiver he's real shifty comes in and out of his breaks really, really well, very fast, and he's also a great route runner. And he's proven his worth, not just with Ben Roethlisberger, but also with Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback. You know, there weren't a lot of winners today. I think the way he played was a bright spot. He hasn't dropped the ball. That whole narrative seems to kind of have gone by the wayside for now. That two-point conversion catch was really, really nice. I mean, you combine that with a catch he had in overtime in week one against Cincinnati – the guy's becoming a highlight reel, and he's a bright spot on the offense, so he's a winner. Next winner, Pat Fryermuth. Stat line, four catches, 22 yards, five and a half average, one touchdown, an eight-yard long on seven targets. So I think when you entered year two with Pat Fryermuth, everyone was kind of wondering, what's this going to look like? Everyone wants to see Travis Kelsey. They want to see Mini Gronk, as they used to call him at Penn State. I don't think it's that at all. I think he's kind of finding his own way, his own niche within the offense, within the team, within the league. But I really like what I saw from Fryermuth, and he's becoming a better blocker. No one really gives him credit for that. He's becoming a much better blocker, but he's also still a tremendous pass catcher. I just want to see him utilize more. I, that's that's really what it comes down to. Four catches, seven targets. He did have one, stoinked him in the face mask. I uh, really wanted to see him come down with that grab. But ultimately, he hits pay dirt for the first time this season. So it was good to see Fryermuth get there. I think he's a bright spot as well, and he's a winner. Now, the next winner, Najee Harris. His rushing stats were 15 carries, 49 yards, a 3.3 average, no touchdowns, and an 8-yard long. His receiving numbers, 5 catches, 40-40 yards, an 8-yard average, 0 touchdowns, a 14-yard long on 6 targets. So when I think about Najee Harris... I think about what the guy's been through so far this preseason. First padded practice, Liz Frank sprain, which we find out now, and he misses almost the entire preseason. He plays sparingly in week three of the NFL preseason, 
against Detroit at home. He looks rough and rusty against the Bengals. He gets hurt, leaves the game. This game was the first time that I saw glimpses of Najee Harris we saw as a rookie. That That is huge for this offense. That's huge for this team. And so it's good to see him. It looked like he kind of got that rust off. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying that he is a finished product. But for my sake, I was really happy with what I saw from Najee Harris in this game. He ran. He was more decisive. He ran hard. He had some explosive plays. He's not back yet in terms of 100% health, but this was a really big step in the right direction for him. Good to see it. Happy that it seems like he's knocking off some of the rust. I have Najee Harris as a winner. The final winner, the fourth and final winner is Minka Fitzpatrick. Of course it's Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick has six tackles. Two of them were solo, a pass defense, and an interception. So he's getting into this realm of T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward where they could probably be on the winner's list every single week. He is making his presence felt. What's unique about this, if you think back to when he first came to the Steelers, he was really just a pure free safety, and he was a ball hawk in 2019 and 2020. In 2021, he showed that he had to be more of a linebacker, led the team in tackles. This year in 2022, he's all over the field. This is the year, in my opinion, that he just takes that next step. This is the year that Minka Fitzpatrick proves that he is one of the best safeties in the NFL, that that contract that he received this past offseason was not a fluke, that this this past offseason when he got that contract, he's worth every single penny. He's a winner. So those four winners, in case you want to know them again, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Now the losers. In, last week, because the Steelers won the game, there were some very general losers. You're talking about like third down offense, whatever. I was more specific this week. First loser, shocker, Mitch Trubisky. He finishes 21 of 33, 168 yards, 5.1 average, one touchdown, one interception, uh, three sacks for 16 yards, and a 73.8 rating. So this this office, offense is not a finished product. We recognize that. And I just spent a whole lot of time talking about Mitch Trubisky. But when I watch Mitch Trubisky run the offense, sometimes it is painful. Absolutely painful. It could be him not throwing the ball away that I've talked about a lot on this show, staring down receivers. And something that a Twitter follower pointed out to me, and now I can't not see it, the dude always throws off his back foot. It's uncanny how he never steps into throws. He never drives the ball into the throws, and he's got a strong arm. I'm Look, I want to make something very clear about Mitch Trubisky. I'm not expecting perfection. I'm expecting more than what we've seen, though. So if, if Trubisky, like I said last Friday, if he, I'm sorry, last Wednesday, if he wants to chime the, to, to chime the, in on this and silence the Kenny chance, he's got to do it one way, play better. That's it. Next loser, Gunnar Olszewski. So Gunnar Olszewski, he had one rush for 18 yards. It was a nice jet sweep. But what he's going to be remembered for in this game was a fumble. That's when he took his eye off the ball, stroinked him in the face mask, and New England recovers. There's more to this play, though, than just Gunnar O's fumble. First and foremost, when you are primarily a return guy, and that is what Gunnar O is, he is primarily, he'll also play receiver. We saw that. But he is primarily a return specialist. When you are that, that label, you can't fumble the ball. 
That's like rule number one, do not fumble the football. That is it. So for me, that's like that's a giant red flag. Giant red flag. And he also put the ball on the turf in the preseason too as a receiver. But then you think about this sequence that he was a part of, this bad sequence that he was a part of. I mean, that that fumble gave them prime field position and led to a touchdown. So Gunnar Olszewski finds himself on the losers list. But I want to go to the next player now because it's the next loser is Cam Sutton. He had three tackles, three solo, and one pass defense. So we talked about that sequence with Gunnar O. His fumble was the very end of the sequence. The sequence got started on, I think it was a third and seven pass. Mac Jones threw a pass which hit Sutton in between the two and the zero on his jersey. And he dropped it. He dropped it. It was not a diving interception. It was not above his head. It was not at his feet. He just hit him in between the numbers. And he dropped it. If Cam Sutton catches that football, the the entire dynamic of this game changes. But instead, at the time, you know, looking back on what I was thinking was, man, that stinks. It was a blown opportunity, but they got off the field. They forced a punt. It was a third down play. What happens on the punt? We just talked about it. Gunnar hits off his face mask, and that changed everything. Go back to that Joe Gibbs quote. You have to win those four or five plays. Those are two plays they lost that definitely, I mean, my gosh, they... They turn the tide completely. Turn the tide completely. Next loser, Akello Witherspoon. He finished with two tackles. Two of them were solo and zero pass defenses. And the reason why I put in the stat zero pass defenses was because the play that he did not make would have been a pass defense, if not an interception, at the end of the first half. The the Patriots were threatening to be in field goal range. Mac Jones dials up, to, up a deep ball. It's one-on-one coverage. And Witherspoon has good positioning on it. Hands are down around his shoulders, waiting for the ball to come down, and Nelson Aguilar literally mosses him. He goes right over top of him, and it's a juggling ball for a little bit, and he comes down with it. Touchdown. Touchdown with only less than a minute left in the half. And then the Patriots get the ball to start the second half. Horrible play. Again, the Joe Gibbs quote, you have to win those plays. The Steelers didn't on more than one occasion, and not just on Mitch Trubisky. Akella Witherspoon is a loser. Pass rush. The stat line is easy. No sacks. They're coming off, the Steelers were coming off a seven-sack game. And everyone says, well, Jeff, T.J. Watt was there. Yeah, he only had one sack last week. Only had one sack. So they still registered seven sacks. No one could get home. They only were able to muster three quarterback hits. Zero sacks. Alex Highsmith played. Cam Hayward played. Uh, Malik Reed played. Larry O played. Chris Wormley played. Tyson Alualu played. I can, I can continue here, people. They could not get to the quarterback. And that's a problem. Now, Dave Schofield, he's told us, said this when we were watching the game, that per PFF, pro football focus, like him, like him or not, the New England Patriots after week one were the second best second highest ranked offensive line in the league in terms of pass protection. So they're good in that area. I just was expecting a little bit more pressure. And when you blitz Mac Jones, you can get burned. The Steelers couldn't get pressure with their front four if they didn't blitz to save their lives. It made a big difference in the outcome. Next loser, just a lack of timely plays. 
You know, the stat line is simple. Not winning in the quote-unquote splash department. And Mike Tomlin loves to talk about that splash being necessary to win games. It can come on defense with turnovers, sacks. Offensively, it could be a big play down the field, scoring touchdowns, not kicking field goals. They didn't do well in this category on either side of the ball. Minka's interception was probably the only splash play the defense had in the offense was, shoot, after outside of five or ten yards, they weren't doing much of anything. If this team wants to be a contender and not a pretender, they have to start winning in the splash department. The next and final loser is the quote-unquote key area offense. So the Steelers' stat line, 8 for 15 on third down and 1 for 2 in the red zone. Now, if you listen to my podcast, you say, well, Jeff, 8 for 15, that's above 500. You always said that's what you look for. Yeah, you're right. I do. I do. And normally an 8 for 15 would find it on the winner's list. But here's the difference is that the fourth quarter, they couldn't convert. They they had to, and they couldn't. So in that regard, I don't look at the sum of everything. I'm looking at that time of the game it being a critical moment in the game, and they couldn't convert on third down. In the red zone, you only have two trips, and you only get home for one of them. It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And it's not too early to say that either. Let's go over the losers one more time. So Mitch Trubisky, Gunnar Rowe, Cam Sutton, Akella Witherspoon, the pass rush, the lack of timely plays, and the key area offense failing miserably. All right, that does it for me. There's a lot to unpack with this game, and there's going to be even more to unpack as the week progresses. I tell you, I want to remind you that there's going to be a different schedule for things coming up this week, not just with my show. Uh, tomorrow, today, Monday, you're going to have bad language at noon. You're going to have the hangover on five, and you're going to have the Scobro show coming at you that night around nine. Tuesday, you have Jeffrey Benedict in the morning. You're going to have, uh, I think on Tuesday is, trying to think of the new, oh, that's the Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar. They'll still be there. And then the Steelers Preview will be on Tuesday. So we're moving the Steelers Preview. Myself, Brian, and Dave are going to be on Tuesday. Wednesday, you'll have me in the morning. You'll have the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming the War Room with Matty Peverell will still be there. And then on Wednesday night is Know Your Enemy. Thursday, game day, you get the Stat Geek in the morning with Dave. Last-minute thoughts at noon. The game is on Thursday night, and the What Yin's Talking About boys are going to be running the post-game show Thursday night. I will not be on that. Uh, The night games, we have so much to do on the editorial side. I've got to get my Winners and Losers podcast ready for you anyways, so that's what I'll be doing on Thursday. Friday is my Winners and Losers podcast, as well as getting you all geared up for a weekend of football All of that right there. Make sure you follow us on our podcast platform so you don't miss a thing. All right, a disappointing loss. But crazily, somehow, the Steelers are still tied for first place in the AFC North because every other team lost in the division too. So take that for what it's worth. All right, folks, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Look out for that tweet for the mailbag segment. I'll talk to you all later. Go Steelers.